you are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians 3. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen and welcome and buenas tardes a todos. That's right. A little bit of afternoon. My name is Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here. A couple things before we get going in our time in the message. First of all, I want to give you a heads up and a sneak peek as to where we're going next week. Next week, we're, gonna, we're going to be starting a brand new series called When Richie Met Gracie, a love story of financial implications. It's all about what we do when our resources meet the grace of God. And so, as you can see, we hope to have some fun with the topic. So if you're new to Mosaic, let me also just encourage you that next Sunday is not only Daylight Savings... Yeah, the good one, the one we all like. But it's the first Sunday in November, which at Mosaic means it's my favorite Sunday of the whole year. And so you hear people saying, yes, that's right. If you're new, listen, if someone's new, don't tell them. 
Let it be a surprise for him next week, and I hope you'll come back and see something amazing that we all do together. Uh, Second, also, you likely received on the way in a red card. It's got a QR code on one side and a unique thought puzzle on the other that's trying to connect you to one of our six topics that we look back. Each of those thought puzzles is just just for fun. Uh, And also, if you'll scan that QR code, it'll take you to our Yuva Parts Play website, and it'll give you some next steps for what you can do beyond the boundaries of our campaign. So scan it and check it out. And finally, before we get going, as we bring you the part to play to a close today, I want to take a moment to thank someone in particular, and that is you, Alyssa Roberts. Yes, yeah, that's right, you, Alyssa Roberts. So Alyssa, if you don't know her, Alyssa's been our campaign director. She's right here in the third service. You're the special service. She picked you. Uh, and she has been our behind-the-scenes campaign director, has kept us on track, has gotten the stuff, uh, helped us organize our stuff in the lobby, all our art materials and supplies. I've got a deep love for Jesus and for you, a ton of experience in this area, and so we want to say thank you, Alyssa. And so I've got a little something for you right here. So would you mind, would you come up here for a second? Can I totally embarrass you? Uh, and uh, we've got some flowers. also want to thank Ben, her husband, for all the grace he's given us and lending us uh, his time. So we love you too, Ben, and all that, so thank you. Hey, let me hug. Thank you very much. Appreciate you so, so much. We couldn't have done this without you. So give her a hand. So many people to thank, but I wanted to highlight her in particular. This is the third service that's clapped for you. The other two did as well. And the fourth one will too. We'll, we'll see to it. As we bring this all to a close today, I want to talk today about how each one of us can play our part, not just in the world at large, but actually in this church moving forward. And here's why I think what you're about to hear today is so, so important. And here's what I have come not only to believe, but here is what I know to be true. That this church, Mosaic Church, is a miracle built around a mystery. We're a miracle built around a mystery, wrapped around a mystery. So today, I want to try to show you what that mystery is, why I believe and know we are a miracle, and then three ways, quickly, you and I can play our part within that miracle and keep our dream alive. We are a miracle built around a mystery. So what's that? Well, let's begin by asking, what is the mystery? I'm going to try to teach a little bit through this passage. Now, maybe you caught it in the scripture reading, but the Apostle Paul who wrote this, and again, Paul in the first century, you may know this, we've said this before, you know, he, he got that call, no more Saul, now he's Paul. Yes, that's right, that was a joke for the Christians here, but Paul is writing from prison to a church in the ancient city of Ephesus. And in the middle, in this, this, this letter, talking about how amazing the church can be, talking about how amazing the church, uh, all the things it can do and can look like, in the middle of what's considered to be his magnum opus, about the ecclesia, that's the Greek word for church, the called out ones, Paul has to literally stop mid-sentence and talk about one thing. What is that? What's the one thing? Let's see. Verse 4. He says, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery, there it is, of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So Paul's saying there's a mystery that's been hidden in the Bible. It was there all along, but no one can see it until now, until the coming of the person of Jesus. So what is that mystery we can see now? 
verse 6. This mystery is, he's going to make it clear, that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Paul is referencing the Jewish people, of course. You can see that. They had been sort of the keepers of the flame. They had been the cocoon for centuries of all that God had been doing in the world, which was the reclamation of all peoples, all cultures, all nations and languages. And though God had chosen the Jewish people to bring salvation into the world through someone from them, Over time, the Jewish people had begun to believe that they were the only ones that God loved. They were the only children of God. They were the only, to use Paul's word, the only heirs of what God was doing in the world. And Paul here is saying they were right and they were wrong. Salvation was going to come from them, but that salvation wasn't only for them. Because God had a savior for the whole world. And so the mystery is that God had a plan to bring the Gentiles, that's a term for likely almost all of us in here, Asian, Latino, black, white, brown, Native American, first peoples, every person who is not ethnically a Jew, to also become part of God's chosen people and family. He's saying we're sharers in this ancient promise of Christ Jesus with the people of Israel. And to help you see what Paul is seeing here, I want to stop, just do a little thought experiment. I'm going to hand you now, or try to hand you a pair of goggles to see. It could look like this, yeah. It could look like those goggles. It could look like these goggles. It could look like this pair of glasses. But I'm going to ask you to do this, to put these on just for a second. A lens to help you see what Paul sees. Here's his lens. Paul's picking up and putting on the lens of a multi-ethnic hermeneutic. There it is. To interpret the scriptures. You say a multi-herma, what? It's a multi-hermeneutic. A hermeneutic is just a fancy word for a grid you use to interpret anything. Now you're saying, Morgan, why didn't you just say grid like in the first place? But I sound a little smarter when I sound when I say hermeneutic. But the point is, Paul is seeing through this I need all the help I can get, you know. Paul is looking through this lens and he's saying that's what the Hebrew scriptures are all about. If you can see it now, about one savior, Jesus, for the whole world to make insiders of all the outsiders and to create one new people. And Paul is saying, if you'll put these lenses on, these goggles, these glasses, what was mysterious in the Old Testament now becomes crystal clear in the new that God has a multi-ethnic vision for his church. I was hoping to get maybe more than one amen there. That's okay. We'll give you opportunities as we go. Now, of course, this vision looks like a number of things. This looks like a number of forms. It looks like the gospel, yes, touching every unique people group in some way. And so I want to just take a moment and affirm every church that loves Jesus, every church which preaches the gospel. And I want to affirm there are good and righteous and noble and massively... the good reasons for churches looking however they look. My point is, I'm so glad churches don't look like us, that we're not alone in the city or in the world. Not everybody's got to look like us. And yet, and yet, Paul right here is going after something so big that he won't stop talking about it. He goes on, verse 10, and says that God's, what's the word? Come on. Intent was that when? Now. Through the what? 
church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul here is using a kind of positively charged, racially coded language of sorts to inspire the ethnically diverse church in Ephesus. And here's what I mean. This word manifold literally means multicolored. It means marked by many colors. Paul is saying that God's intent, his whole purpose in the world, is to show all the powers, rulers, and authority, all the evil powers of hate, every evil power of discrimination, racial superiority, every evil power of colorism, every caste system, every class system, to show them that God has a multicolored plan for the world, and it's supposed to be coming now through a church near you. That's God's heart. That's God's wisdom. Paul says, that's his intent. Oh, but how many of you know Right after you clapped. And living out this mystery is hard. That wasn't just a rhetorical question. How many of you know living out this mystery is painful? It costs you. Oh, I know. And so do you. And many other people in ways in history that I don't. So does Paul, though. And because Paul knows this is difficult, what does he do next in response to the difficulty? Well, Paul does next what we should do next. Paul simply praise. Verse 14, he says, for this reason. Why? Because it's hard. (laughs) I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What's the reason he's kneeling? It's because the vision's so big. The vision's so challenging. Paul's in prison for it after all. And so Paul here, in response to the difficulty, is about to offer a prayer, hear me, for us. He's about to offer a prayer for Mosaic. This is a prayer in the context for the multi-ethnic church, all the churches in the world like this. That is what this prayer is about. He prays this, verse 16. So I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Why does Paul pray this? Come on, because he knows, and so should you, that without the power of God, we'll never make it. And he says, I pray that you, that's you all, it's y'all, he's happy. Text and you should know that. Being rooted and established in love. Why does he pray this? Because he knows, and so should you, that without the love of God, we will never make it. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond reason. It goes beyond your imagination. Whether we should or shouldn't, it's just the love of God that you may be filled, he says, to the measure. Of all the fullness of God. How many of you want that? I want that. And then Paul closes this with the the kicker. With this phrase that's been prayed by countless well-meaning charismatics for years. And I'm a well-meaning charismatic, by the way. Prayed for new cars and new houses and for their team to finally win a championship. And listen, you can pray for what you want, of course. But look at what his closing thought is. Verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do what? immeasurably more than all we can ask for imagine so so what is that what's the immeasurably more you gotta you gotta fill in the blank is it a raise at work is it a new car is it even physical healing now listen listen I want you to know that as your pastor, I I hope you get that raise. I do. I hope you get that new car. You need that. And I believe you will get that healing because I know that God desires that people not live in poverty, but that they prosper and be in good health even as their soul prospers. 3 John verse 2, thank you very much. But there are, my point is, better scriptures for all those things. 
But this verse, what is the immeasurably more than all we could ask for imagine is one thing. It is the unity of all peoples and cultures in Jesus Christ. And listen, come on, you know this is what Paul is talking about because what's immeasurably harder to imagine than a new car? Unity. What takes more faith to ask for? What takes a greater imagine to be able to see than even getting a new house? Oh, it's faith for all that it will take to bring all people groups in this nation today and around the world together in Christ. That is what is too big for most people to even imagine. Oh, but hear me. It's not too big for the heart of God to imagine, and it's not too big for the people of Jesus to imagine. Hear me. Christians have been imagining this since 33 AD, roughly, right? We are, the point is, the first people in the history of the world to imagine this. God help us if we ever stop. And to the degree that this happens, well, what can happen next? Verse 21, Paul concludes, to him be, what, glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. He's saying when this dream comes to pass, when the mystery is revealed, people see Jesus, they don't see me, thank God. Some of you are saying, thank God for that. You know, they don't see you. They don't see the name of this church, any church. When this multi-ethnic dream happens, Jesus Christ is revealed in a unique way that proves he is who he is. He's a savior for not one people, but all peoples. One Lord for the whole world. That's the multicolored mystery of God come to life. He has a multi-ethnic dream for the whole world. Church, and right here, right now, This is where you and I, where we come in. Because let me tell you again, I believe we are a miracle wrapped around that mystery. Here's why. In the United States today, about 7.5% of churches are considered multi-ethnic. That's the research. That means that uh, in a church, that 20% of that church is whatever the non-majority of whatever the majority is. For example, if the church were 80% Korean and 20% Hispanic... Multi-ethnic, 80% black and 20% Filipino, 80% Native American, First Peoples, and 20% white. That would be considered multi-ethnic. But here's the problem with that number or the challenge today. Because most research also shows that of that 7.5%, 80% of that is sliding away quickly from being diverse and towards being uniracial, which means that only... 2% of churches have been able to stick at being multi-ethnic. And of that 2%, only half of that has a leadership team and power structure that even demonstrates a level of diversity. Which leaves us in that 1% or less bucket. Now, if I were to go to a doctor and I said, listen, uh, I've got this problem, I've got this condition, will you take a look? And if he or she, that doctor, said back to me, all right, I've looked. And there is a 99% plus chance you won't make it. But then I do make it. What would you call that? Come on. I would just call that beating the odds or getting lucky. Maybe a little, little bit of that too. But I would call that a miracle, especially, especially when it involves like supernatural, spiritual things like the church of Jesus, like the kingdom of God. And then when you factor in our challenging, and you know this if you've been through our membership class, our first, you know, up and down 15 years of, uh, until about a decade ago, thank God, you know, full of leadership challenges and failures and stuff. And now you look up and you see us not just sticking around, but thriving and growing to between 14, 15, 
1,500 people a week who are part of who we are. And, and you know this, when a lot of churches are sadly today in decline and the average multi-ethnic church never grows past a couple of hundred people, when you see that, I wouldn't just call that beating the odds, getting lucky. I would call that miraculous, miraculous. See, you and I, we are a miracle wrapped around this mystery. And I don't think it's because I'm so smart. Some of you are saying, I already knew that. You know, not because our elders or deacons or staff or our team members are that smart or gifted, although they are amazing and talented and so gifted. But it is surely at the end of the day because of the grace of God. It's just that because he has found a group of people willing to share this dream with the world and the city. And I believe when God finds of people like that, you and me who are willing to put his mission and his gospel at the center of who they are, not necessarily their likes or their preferences, but to come and do that, then God just does something extraordinary through average, ordinary people like you and like me, church, we are a miracle wrapped around a mystery. And of course, of course, of course, and you know this, at the very core of that mystery And the very core of that miracle lies actually another miraculous mystery. Because after all, there's a kind of mystery to the person of Jesus Christ, isn't there? Theologians call that mystery the hypostatic union. Another big phrase. It means that the person of Jesus is fully God, fully human, 100%, 100%, not 50-50, not like split 80-20. No, but it's a mystery, the point is, how the God of the universe could become fully human. And perhaps the most mysterious thing of all is what he did for all of us. From every tribe and tongue and language, he came to us and he mysteriously died, as the great Methodist hymn put it. He bled for Adam's helpless race, which is all of us. And where did he do that? He did it in the place where God's love, to quote Ephesians 3, stretched out wide. It stretched out long. It stretched out high. And stretched out deep. He did it in the place where his love stretched out in all four directions on the Roman cross of Calvary. See, his great love for us is a mystery. It's so wide. It's so long. It's so high. It's so deep, but he didn't just die mysteriously. Oh, he was raised to life miraculously so that we could become a part of that promise that God loves all people and he will receive all even you today even you who will come and repent of your sin today to him and so that those who were once a part of Adam's helpless race all Adam's unfaithful sons all Eve's helpless daughters could be brought back in and one new humanity could be created held together by himself the diverse God man Jesus Christ the eternal son who is worthy of our praise and our sacrifice and our labor church we are a miracle wrapped around a mystery yeah and now in light of all you heard quickly let me just give you three ways i believe you can live this out three ways i think you can play your part at mosaic whether you're brand new today you've been here for a long time three ways you can play your part bringing glory to jesus in the church three ways you can live this out here we go number one i'm going to put it like this let me encourage you to lean into the lament lean into the lament what do you know i mean what do you what do i mean some of you know what i mean is this as the people of jesus we are supposed to carry each other's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what that looks like is when, it, when something happens in the world, in the city, in some community, uh, places or people that may not look like you, and by that I don't just mean not like Morgan, I mean not like you today. You lean into the lament of whatever group is experiencing hurt or pain or that family going through it, that marriage that's going through it, that single person that's going through it. Now, you may not understand it. You may not understand them, but leaning into the lament is actually a form of mission, Christian mission in our urban context because it shows the people in the city there is a God who cares. Aren't we saved, after all, by the man of sorrows? Sun Chan Ra has got a wonderful book on the book of lamentations. There it is in the Bible. His book is called Prophetic Lament, and Chan Ra puts it like this. He says, quote, the American church avoids lament. The power of lament is minimized, and the underlying narrative of suffering that requires lament is lost. But absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart forget. The absence of lament in the church results in a loss of memory. We forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. We forget the reality of suffering and pain. Church, let's not do this. Let's remember one another and lean into the lament. And yet, and at the same time, we should also, number two, push into the praise. Push into the praise. Because lament and praise are both features of the Hebrew uh, Psalms, of Hebrew poetry. And here's why. It's because that even while evil and suffering exists, so does God. And God, as the entire Bible proclaims, is good and he is worthy of our praise. You should say amen to that. Now, this last week, you, you might have seen, probably did, you saw that uh, the Christian singer and rapper, uh, Toby Mack from DC Talk, his 21-year-old son tragically died. And what you might not have seen was what he and his wife posted just after on social media. And he posted a tribute to his son And he closed with these amazing words. He said this, quote, My wife and I would want the world to know this. We don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him. Like, we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. And he is beautiful above all things. Just because someone laments doesn't mean they lack faith. And just because someone praises doesn't mean they aren't in touch with pain. Oh, for the Christian, we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. The Hebrew poets did it. So can we. And finally, let me encourage you to do this one final thing today and you have a part to play. Let me encourage you to do this, to preach like a prophet. Lean into the lament, push into the praise, but to preach like a prophet. And here's what I mean. Our culture today, and you know this, majors in pointing out flaws in everything and everyone, including you, by the way, uh, in critiquing everything, being outraged by every single thing that comes our way. We live in an adrenaline-fueled, exhausting trip down a negative emotional lane. We are so good today at critique, deconstruction, complaining, pointing out where that person or this leader or that church or whoever missed it or group didn't get it or is doing it wrong. And let me just say, for the record here, 
we get lots of stuff, if not flat out wrong, we get lots of stuff not quite right. That happens. And you know this, a lot of books, uh, people online, in the blogosphere, maybe even you today, like to style yourself, people like to style themselves, as some kind of Old Testament prophet to the modern church. But do, let me ask you this, do you know who does multi-ethnic church perfectly? No one. Thank you. Yes. Someone's been here more than a month, you know. Someone by the name of James Forbes. He was a longtime African-American pastor in one of the oldest multi-ethnic churches in the U.S. It's in New York called Riverside Church. He was famous for saying, if you're at his church on a good day, you're going to like about 75% of it only. He says if about 75% of his church any given Sunday likes something, they got it right. And I think that sounds about right. But the point is, anyone can critique, deconstruct, and yes, there is part of being a prophet that says, here's what is not right. Part of being a prophet is declaring what is not right, and I want to affirm that. Oh, but part of being a prophet, of preaching like a prophet, also means declaring what is true, declaring what is real. Preaching like a prophet means speaking up for and declaring also what is true and what is good about something, and the truth is, as I hope you've seen, that we are a miracle wrapped around a mystery so 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 if you believe this believe in this let me encourage you start speaking up for this because so many of you have sacrificed so much you continue to do that start serving for this yeah if you have it start giving to this yeah if you have it start speaking up for the good you know is at the heart of this church because do you know what makes the news about church Bad news, right? Bad news about that leader doing something stupid. Oh my gosh. Saying something ridiculous, right? Writing something crazy. That's what makes the headlines. But do you know what will likely never make the headlines? You and us, the good. What will never make the headlines? Though I wish it would is TGA, the gospel, and it's our effort at reconciling people groups. It's coming up this Friday. You should come to it. Carrie and I are going to be speaking at it. It's some of that, unless I'm wrong, and I hope I am, I don't know of any other church in the city that's at least just trying this because of people like Nina Jenkins, Nicole Cummings, Megan Harding, Melissa Williams, and a whole, whole lot of you and other people. What will never make the headlines is what we do with Mosaic Street Ministry, with Leah Hargrave, and Jay, and Sherry, and Odina, and Dina, and Paul Zito, and a whole bunch of other people driving their trucks under bridges at rush hour, handing out a whole bunch of food and medicine and compassion to those who are hurting and paying for surgeries and paying for funeral expenses for the forgotten, for those who don't have it. That's not making the rounds on the internet. The massive amounts of money we give away to ministries globally won't make the news. Your children being taught in a diverse environment about reconciliation by someone as amazing as Tina Miranda and Alyssa Jacobs and Pastor Kevon. that won't make it. And the work we do with elementary schools, keeping people out of a trajectory of a prison sentence won't make it. The help we give to addicts every week won't make it. The conversion stories of hardened skeptics ain't going to make it. The marriages saved or the families loved or supported by their community groups. When tragedy strikes them, that won't make the news. But preaching like a prophet means declaring what is true. And so I'm saying this. Here's, you say, why are you saying this? I'm saying this today because I believe the city needs a better headline to read about Jesus. I believe that people need the hope of the gospel. And I believe that people are better. You're better when you're following Jesus and especially in a diverse community. And I believe most of all, what I want most of all, and yes, to quote Carrie Stevens. If you were here last week, you know, I want people to do something 
about Jesus because of what we say. So Mosaic Church, I believe you have a part to play. We have a part to play. So let's lean into the lament, push into that praise, and start preaching like a prophet. Watch what God does. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.